0: hi everyone oh all your beautiful smiling faces oh (laughs) we're just so honored to be here with all of you yeah we are gonna open up the session with a beautiful song called i am as god created me
1: Thank you. Thank you, Final Vision, for your songs, gracing us all with that presence, the beautiful, soft, gentle presence of God's grace, God's love. Wow, it's great. To be back with everybody to see all your smiling faces again. I just always love looking at all the faces and hugs and waves and yeah, it's such an intimate journey. Such an intimate journey that we have here and we go in together and I uh, always enjoy uh, these sessions too where we can can be very interactive because you have such light to shine and share, and, uh, and your hearts, I, I feel them so much whenever I, I read through the, the questions and prayers for these online retreats. It's, it's quite a, an experience just to be with the words that you write in and to really take them inward into prayer and feeling what would be most helpful. Because your prayers and your questions actually bless everyone that we're all on this journey together, and everything we share blesses everyone. Every question we have is a blessing, and every prayer that we offer is a huge blessing for the entire universe. So, I mentioned a few uh, names uh, the last time I was on, and uh, I've got my course book, my workbook, and my Text here, and I thought we could uh, could use this time to really interact together and uh, and dive deeper together into this holy instant experience. This is truly for us, I think, a new beginning because you're now you're turning toward the light and you're turning your devotions toward the answer, toward the holy instant and away from the questions of the world, the comparisons of the world, you're turning away from the distractions of the world and the values of this world. The world is always telling us, bigger, better, faster, more, and you're you're more happy to be content and rest in God than going for bigger, better, faster, more. Uh, and that's a very important turn in your mind, When you're turning to the Holy Instant, you're turning to this inner rest and this inner grace. So I thought I would start out today with uh, something that uh, Stephanie uh, wrote in. And uh, so maybe we can get Stephanie on the screen and I will read what Stephanie wrote and we'll all use this as a way of, uh, of diving in. I think I just saw Stephanie on the, the one before on the right-hand side there. There she is. She's waving. She put her hand up there. She wrote, Now it is the time to look at my belief. I am bound and let it go. I feel this is a big one. Everywhere I go, I see obligations and commitments and also the fear of consequence when I don't behave accordingly. I know freedom is not from this world. I am, perhaps I say, surprised how much that prison I had built gave me security and safety. That is how it truly felt. And now those bricks are falling. It is a little bit scary. I want to take this into this retreat. I want to let go of my belief that I am bound. And I add the prayer of today's lesson, Lesson 278, Father, I ask for nothing but the truth. I have had many foolish thoughts about myself and my creation, and have brought a dream of fear into my mind. Today I would not dream. I choose the way to you instead of madness and instead of fear. For truth is safe and only love is sure. The prayer of my heart is trust, not only hear and listen to the guidance. But I want to trust and follow the guidance. I want to trust that everything is planned by one whose only purpose is my good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Kisses and love. So that's beautiful, Stephanie. I thought we could explore that because what we've been looking at and this retreat is really that the holy instant and the truth offers everything, and everything else that we've ever believed, every concept we've ever held, every decision we've ever made to struggle and survive, uh, which we all have, have done as human beings, everything has, is being shown to us as being a, a cover over this uh, truth and the belief that we're bound you know bound is a sense of of imprisonment and i think while some of us may have felt physically held back by limitations in this world by the world's uh laws and um by its structures and its uh rigid norms and mores and so on and so forth, I think we're all getting closer to that point where we see that the ego itself, the belief that we're separate from God, is what the imprisonment is. It's it's in our mind, and the world is just reflecting our belief in this ego. And I, I really sensed your sincere prayer was not only to be aware of the guidance, but to To really follow it and what happens when you start to feel those nudges and those prompts and those those little guidances coming through then the ego is quite threatened and will get stirred up uh, like a hornet's nest what are you doing what are you throwing everything away that you've worked for (laughs) everything that you've you've got to protect you in this world you're starting to question And basically, uh, very much like in the Revolver movie where the ego tries to to scare Jake Green by saying, you know, I'm all you've got. It's us against them. And uh, trying to scare Jake into uh, get back with the world's program and and don't get too too inspired here (laughs) by the spirit, because it's uh, ego saying it's pretty dangerous to... Follow all this uh, spiritual woo-woo and la-la land stuff. Uh, you know, get back to the basics of um, practicality in the world. So, yeah, from your experience of what we've shared last night and today, maybe you could share a little bit of, of how is it that you experience this sense of being bound? What, how? How is it in terms of the feelings you experience and some of the the thoughts that typically uh, go through your mind? And maybe also you can share a little bit about what does it mean the bricks are beginning to fall? <laughs> How is that experience for you? Because many people probably can relate to what you're talking about.
2: The bounds are like um, hello, first of all <laughs> um, perhaps the bounds is like um it's not nothing seems mm. like it has has been before like in some way um. It's it's perhaps questioning situations Um, um, and things I did have no more than I'm not no more interested in, and it's like an emptiness somehow. I'm not quite sure how it will fill up. It's a an emptiness.
1: Um. Yeah, it's a good starting point. That's a good starting point. Because <laughs> I feel like um, that when you start to make the turn in your mind this way, then um, it can feel like an emptiness feeling can just wash over you like uh, uh, what is this what will become of me Uh, in one sense you're letting go of the past and what's been familiar and yet not having quite clicked into the fullness of maybe your I call it your function of uh, being in alignment with God so the the joy factor hasn't reached its uh its full, you know, your meter's still climbing, but it hasn't really clicked all the way over there. And so there is that emptiness feeling in the sense that you're kind of in between. You're in a a transition there. And um I think you're just starting to come to like an honesty of seeing that what all of these make believe ideas and this make-believe identity has, has had a lot of uh, guilt along with it, a lot of, you mentioned, um, obligations, commitments. Um, you know, you can feel quite tied down and a lot of people feel very stressed out. They, they bought the bait of the ego for this sense of security and safety in terms of the world. Um, Investments, money in the bank, a house, a roof over your your head. Uh, even even in terms of people, we can feel quite comfortable in, oh, I've got my family watching out over me. I'm not all alone in this world. I have these protections that, that guard me against uh, loneliness or against uh, being disconnected. And yet, when you go through this spiritual awakening, uh, a lot of these pursuits and desires uh, start to fall away. And in terms of obligations and commitments, it's like uh, it's more like that gets flipped around too. Like you're obligated to know who you really are. You need to commit to the correction in your mind, you need to commit to the healing in your mind. To the restoration of your mind and so you're making that commitment but it's a little strange because the ego is like what you're letting go of all your mind energy and all the commitments in terms of the world and it feels like you're just emptying out everything and there's going to be nothing left of you if you keep uh, emptying everything out so this is very typical and I'm glad you are bringing this up because because when you make this turn, you you do have to have a lot of faith. I mean, I know when I was in education, university for 10 years, I was making a commitment to co- complete my degrees, to do all my assignments, to be on all the projects and committees I was to be on and so on and so forth. And it took actually quite a commitment, I thought, to stay in university for 10 years full time And yet, when I came out, it was like the Spirit inside me, Jesus was saying, Okay, now I'd like you to learn to commit to have faith in me, uh, to follow my guidance. The same effort that you put into reading all those books and writing those papers and taking those exams and doing those projects, I want you to give me that same commitment and that same devotion to let me use you for a while. Uh, let your body be like a puppet uh, for me to a channel to to express uh, my love, uh, to allow my clarity to come through you. Let me choose your words. Uh, let me direct and guide the way, and let me take care of you instead of you taking care of you with your little bank accounts and your little credit cards and so forth. Let me provide for you who are doing a great service to to everyone and to the Spirit by your devotion. So I think that is the way to to find true freedom is to start to realize we are developing faith. Just like if you went to the gym to do workouts and you were developing your muscles to have a stronger body, it's almost like we have this uh, ability to have faith in a higher guidance, a higher wisdom, a higher intelligence. But we have to exercise that faith time and time again, day after day, for the faith to grow strong and and to show us that we are sustained by this invisible presence and force. It's not visible to our, our body's eyes, and we can't always perceive it through our five senses, but it's really there. And it's it's very, very strong and it really wants us to know it. And and that's why we're all brought together. And I appreciate too that you just all the online uh retreats that you've been on and the way that you've been linking in with Mighty Companions, because I I sensed from my visits over there to see you in Europe, but also uh from the idea with these mighty companions that we're all walking on this journey together and and sometimes it helps to have the encouragement of those that have walked along this path or are walking along this path right now and need to feel that we're walking hand in hand and arm in arm um, because it can get quite perplexing and confusing to the ego. The ego is suspicious of this whole awakening. It feels like it's going to uh, be obliterated uh, by this. If it if it continues, it feels like it will be gone. And in one sense, uh, it's right about that. Uh, but it but it 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 thinks that it is death. This is all leading to death uh, instead of eternal life. It doesn't even believe there is such a thing as eternal life. So. I just want you to know that we're all with you, and uh, and the freedom that you seek, I feel, is you're on the right direction when you're wanting to listen and follow the guidance, because in my experience that is, the, that is the sure, safe way to true, authentic freedom. It's freedom of mind, it's not really freedom of the body to do whatever the body wants to do, but it's it's peace of mind and it's, it's a free spirit. It's knowing our free will in God, God's will. And I and just thank you for hanging in there with us. And uh, we feel your love and your sincerity, and we really feel your heart in, in that question, too. It's really beautiful. Thank you, Stephanie. Also... Um, Esther from Pennsylvania wrote, "I was guided to read the Rules for Decision." And Jeffrey's hands are going up here. Jeffrey, in the studio here, is a big fan. He was so thrilled with your <laughs> what you wrote. He loves the Rules for Decision. You said, "I was was guided to read the Rules for Decision and would be happy to have you go over them." I am trying to discern and decide which voice I am hearing to follow, while too knowing the only choice is one of purpose, and still having this strange feeling when I do not do the specific action that guidance suggested. Along comes a time of doubt that the choice made affects my future from a simple decision not to use that bowl versus the other one, the loud unquestionable voice had said to use. Please help or tell me which way this sort of thing gets healed, it could be uh, covered. Thank you and blessings of love." So, I thought um, this is a great uh, opportunity for all of us because all of us are opening to the holy instant but we need some uh, we need some guidance to be pointed in that direction to really stay focused in the moment and really that means stay aligned with the love that's what moving t- towards the holy holy instant bringing the holy instant into our awareness means to really tune in and align with that love and most everybody can relate to the idea that every single day there seem to be a lot of decisions to be made as you move through time and space as a human being. So Esther has asked us about the rules for decision, and some of you who are familiar with that know that it's, it's back in chapter 30 of the text, and interestingly enough the chapter is titled the new beginning and i feel like all of us in this retreat we are uh we are like holy instant subscribers we're going to subscribe we're we're attempting to subscribe fully to the holy instant we're attempting to immerse fully into the holy instant and for all of us this weekend, I would say our opening to the Holy Instant is definitely a good phrase would be the new beginning because we're wanting to shift from dreams of judgment to forgiving dreams and, and happy dreams instead of painful and fearful dreams. So I will go through the rules for decision here briefly because I feel like this will be a great benefit to all of us and opening to the holy instant, because it's it's using the context of decisions. And I think everybody can relate to this, because everybody knows that you seem to have decisions that you make, and it might be good to have a context from the Spirit to understand the importance of, of decision-making. In heaven there are no decisions, but in terms of un reveling from the ego and unbinding yourself from the ego's beliefs and laws, decision-making is, is a central mechanism for doing that. It starts out, rules for decision. Decisions are continuous. You do not always know when you are making them. Wow, what a, what a first couple sentences. Decisions are continuous. That seems to go against our, our human experience, uh, that they're continuous because we feel we make them from time to time, but we aren't aware that they're continuous. You do not always know when you are making them. The reason this is so is the unconscious mind, that, that when we have decisions that we've already made, but they're out of awareness, they're pushed out of awareness, those decisions go by a different name than decisions. Decisions are conclusions, and decisions, actually when they're pushed out of awareness, are beliefs. So that's kind of an interesting idea, that decisions that are pushed out of awareness are these unconscious beliefs and assumptions and conclusions. But with a little practice, the ones you recognize, a set begins to form which sees you through the rest. It is not wise to let yourself become preoccupied with every step you take. The proper set, adopted consciously each time you wake, will put you well ahead. And if you find resistance strong and dedication weak, you are not ready. Do not fight yourself. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus is telling us to be gentle with ourselves, even when we have resistance to the guidance or resistance to our intuitive uh, apparatus, the the spirit that's nudging us in the, the way that would be most helpful. If we're not ready, do not fight yourself. But think about the kind of day you want, and tell yourself there is a way in which this very day can happen just like that. So this is helpful for all of us in the sense it's it's very proactive. You start off the day just thinking about the kind of day that you want. You can think about the feelings you'd like to have, the experiences you'd like to have, and, and then you are given an opportunity to go ahead and try to have the day that you actually want. Try again to have the day that you want. The outlook starts with this. Today I will make no decisions by myself. So this is where the surrender to guidance comes in. When you say, today I will make no decisions by myself, you are literally saying, Spirit, you lead me, you guide me, you nudge me in the right direction. You light the way for me. You show the way. Give me signs. Give me symbols. Give me a, a way that is clear and clean-cut and obvious so that I do not drift off into the, the sense of a problem or a, a doubt uh, or a sense of a, of a challenge or a conflict. Help keep me on the right-minded path today. Today I will make no decisions by myself." And it is important to realize, he says, this means that you are choosing not to be the judge of what to do, but it must also mean you will not judge the situations where you will be called upon to make response. So. It's like a two-part thing. First of all, you're not trying to judge what to do. You're basically saying, Holy Spirit, my life is, is a blank canvas and you've got the paint set today and you just splash those colors out any way that you want to. I'm just going to enjoy the painting uh, that you paint today. That My life is going to be a picture of my love and and you be the one that... that that wields the paintbrushes you splash on those those paints and those colors and I I'm going to be told what to say and do today but also I will not judge the situations where I will be called upon to make response because typically that's where we get into the biggest problems we already have these stereotypical views of people places situations and we already think we know who they are, what they want from us, what they're doing, and, and we have pre-decided, based on our beliefs and thoughts, how we should uh, interpret. And actually, the Holy Spirit wants us to flow through the day uh, releasing interpretations, not, not continuing to pile them on top of each other, because that, that really uh, can get you in a tizzy. For if you judge them, you have set the rules for how you should react to them. And then another answer cannot but produce confusion and uncertainty and fear. So if you already have judged the situations, if you already judged your day and you think, well, this is what I have to do, I have to perform these actions, I have to do these different things— and you don't have that openness to be used by the Spirit, then actually that's when the the troubles and the difficulties come in. Because uh, when you do get a nudge from the Spirit and you're sure that you've already got the answer and you've already got your own direction, then you're going to feel confused at that point. And the confusion is really coming from self-doubt. It's still coming from uh, trying to listen to two teachers to try to serve two masters, and that's where all confusion comes in. Because the Holy Spirit and the ego don't teach the same lesson, and they don't have the same curriculum, and they don't offer the same guidance. So that's where the confusion is coming in. This is your major problem now. You still make up your mind and then decide to ask what you should do. And what you hear may not resolve the problem as you saw it first. So when you make up your mind already, and then you hear a prompt from the Holy Spirit, this is where the, the confusion comes in. This leads to fear because it contradicts what you perceive, and so you feel attacked. So this is slipping away from that devotional attempt to let the Holy Spirit guide. I always think that one of the prayers that I always liked the most was, uh, Holy Spirit, decide for God for me. When I'm in that place of humbleness and humility, then not surprisingly the day flows amazingly and, and beautifully. And when there is a sense of agenda coming in, then that's where the, the struggles start, as soon as that agenda gets activated. There are rules by which this will not happen, but it does occur at first while you are learning how to hear. Throughout the day, at any time you think of it and have a quiet moment of reflection, tell yourself again the kind of day you want, the feeling you would have, the things you want to happen to you, and the things you would experience, and say, if I make no decisions by myself, this is the day that will be given me. So what he's saying here is if you want to drop down into the, toward the holy instant and really embrace it, you need to practice and be habitually in the state of mind of, if I make no decisions by myself, this is the day that will be given me habitually in a place like with your hands wide open, your ears open to listen, your heart open to receive. Because when we come from an agenda, we are coming from an ego self-concept, and, and we're coming from that pride. And when we do have that pride, that's where the anger can come up because it's like the situations, the people, the things are not going the way that we have prejudged that they should go. And as we go on, I'm going to drop down a little bit to some of the key highlights of these because um, basically if you stay with the first two aspects of the Rules for Decision, you will stay in the simplicity of the rules for decision. And it's almost like instead of trying to follow the Ten Commandments, if you go, oh, I remember the first two, they're pretty important. If I could just keep loving God and loving my neighbor as myself, I think I'd do pretty good. Even if I forget the other eight, I'll do pretty good with those first two. It's the same with the rules for decision. If you can just remember the first two, And you're not even concerned about three, four, five, six, seven. You're just actually really excited about the first two. You're going to do real well if you can just stay with the first two. You don't even need the rest if you can remember the first two. And what are those two things? Remember, decide the kind of day that you want. That's pretty simple. You know, fill in the blank. Happy, joyful, loving, peaceful, free-flowing Spontaneous, you know. You can fill in the blank with your words, whatever you want. Just just decide the kind of day you want. That's number one. And just remember number two, always remember number two, because that's how you're gonna do it. That's how you're gonna achieve it, is is the means is in number two. Decide that if I make no decisions by myself, this is the day that will be given me. Guaranteed. You're guaranteed a happy day if you just remember that you want a happy day and you aren't going to make any decisions by yourself. You're going to be very prayerful, receptive. Just show me, Lord. I will step back and let let you lead the way. I'm not going to try to interfere here today. It's too important for me to be happy. I'm not going to interfere. I'm not going to interfere with this. It's too important. And those are the one, two that's the procedure. Those are the most important things to remember. And then, briefly, <laughs> if you uh, if you seem to slip off of the number one and two, and you forget, you forget that, then you have a way to kind of come back, a, rest- a restorative, and that is um, what number three is all about. This is like your your corrective device. And you know that if you've slipped off the beam somehow and you're not having a happy day or a joyful day and you don't feel really good, then you must have made a decision by yourself. That's You, know, you must have said, no, I'm taking over the reins here. <laughs> I'm taking these reins back. I'm going to make the decision on my own. Uh, Holy Spirit, you stay out of this. I'm, I'm taking charge here. That's not going to bring the the peaceful, loving, joyful, happy day. Here's your restorative, though. I have no question. I forgot what to decide. And what this means is is that you quickly are going to come back into alignment, uh, not by trying to ask a question by yourself, but to come back to... This is the kind of day that I want and I won't make any decisions by myself. As soon as we start to question, uh, we start to analyze, we start to prioritize, we start to fix, we start to try to figure out we've gone off the path. We've, we've slipped away from our, our one and our number two. And now we need help. And this is the, the solution very quickly is I I have no question. I forgot what to decide. And what it is, it's like a reset button. It cancels out the terms that you have set and lets the answer show you what the question must have really been. And uh, people often ask me um they say that's a little bit vague. You know, I, I do get into questioning. I, I have a very questioning mind, and I'm going along the day, and it's quite common for me to start to question, what's going on here? What are they doing? What are they thinking? Uh, it's this analytical mind that starts to question, but but it's confusing because they think, I don't know. I, I, I was trying to just follow the first two, but I got this questioning mechanism going in my mind. And to make it simple for you, I can tell you what that the ego's question is that's got you all stirred up. I can give you the secret of what's underneath all those questions that the ego asks. To sabotage your happy day, the ego has a question And it takes many forms, but I'm going to give you what it really means so you'll be able to understand the content underneath all these different forms. Because it's easy to get tricked with all of the complexities. The ego says, oh, no, these are good questions. These are a part of being a mature, functioning adult human being. You better ask these questions. You better be critical and so forth. No, no. The question that's underneath all of the ego's many questions is this of these illusions which do i prefer that's the that's what's the killer underneath as long as you keep looking outside and trying to pick among the illusions and say which of these illusions do i prefer which of these illusions will bring me a happy day you know what the answer is zero <laughs> there's not a single illusion that will bring you a happy day, but the ego doesn't want you to know that. It wants you to keep chasing among all these illusions, chasing chasing like a cat, chasing its tail. It wants you to just chase and chase and chase and chase and forget your happy day, forget your peaceful day, and get caught up in, in the sideshow, in this giant distraction. And that's where... People kind of fall off the alignment without even knowing. They think it's like that Paul Simon song, slip sliding away. The no, you know, the nearer your destination, the more you're slip sliding away. The nearer your destination, if your destination is an illusion, an outcome of this world, and you're pursuing this outcome, you are slip sliding away from your real purpose of forgiveness. You are slip sliding away from your happiness from your peace of mind and your joy. So this is these are like really prime lessons Esther that you are drawing forth here from rules for decisions because if you really practice this and you understand how the ego is trying to sabotage you and have you not have a happy day, you're going to get wise. You're actually going to get wise to this when it tries to, to le- trick you and lead you off into being right about something or or taking a stance against somebody and, and holding on to a right stance as, as opposed to theirs. Those are all the ways that the ego uh, tricks you. And then it also tells you that if, you, if you're not able to just say, I have no question, I forgot what to decide, the next thing, you have to kind of pave your way to get back to the alignment. And... Once you have decided you don't like the way that you feel, what could be easier to continue with? And so I hope I have been wrong. And this, I remember in the early years in the 1990s, I did a whole teaching session, and the title of the teaching session was Better Off If I Was Wrong. (laughs) <laughs> because because that humbleness will get you back into alignment with God in a hurry it's it's the persistence and the insistence that i am right about a situation or i am right about a person or about the way things should go that keeps us spinning and keeps us wavering and when we admit and, and this is just the first step in admitting that you were wrong is saying, "I hope that I have been wrong. I don't like how I feel, so I hope I've been wrong." So that's a beautiful restorative. This Jesus has given you the way to zoom back into your right mind, and then you follow that up with, "I want another way to look at this." Even if you're still resisting and you still are pretty sure you'd rather be right, um, that's like a crack a crack in the mind for a beam of light to come through. And then finally, number seven is, perhaps there is another way to look at this. What can I lose by asking? At least you're willing to ask for help to see this situation differently, to see this brother, this sister differently. You have a little crack of an opening there, and that little crack is going to be what saves the day for you. Because the Bible said, "Don't go to bed angry," and the way that you don't go to bed angry is is to have this crack of willingness to say, "I hope I've been wrong. I was better off. I would be better off if I was wrong, and perhaps there is another way to look at this. What can I lose by asking?" So, those are it's kind of a brief uh, summary that you asked for, Esther. Was those rules for decision and And what I can say to you is, if you practice these rules for decisions, you're going to find that it's going to get easier and easier to have a happy day. Because the more surrendered you become, the more in service you become, the more devotional to God you become, Uh, it's like you'll be carried down a quiet path in summer. It's, It's as easy and as right as breathing, Jesus says. But it it does take the willingness and the faith to keep going in this direction because the ego oftentimes doesn't want to give up so easy. It's like, not so fast. Uh, I, you're not getting out of my grips so fast. But if you're persistent and you keep practicing and you keep remembering how worthy you are of love and that you are love, then that's just going to... Strengthen that in your mind every single time you're able to do that. And I have faith in you, Esther. I I know how you've hung in there. You've been persistent ever since I met you on the East Coast, and you had that sparkle in your eye. And I thought she's she's going to go for this. She's not going to mess around with this ego thing. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna go for this. You deserve to, to find that happiness. And and I'm so glad you brought up rules for decision for everybody, because you just are bringing the blessing to all of us by your prayer. And it was a beautiful prayer. So thank you. Thank you so much. I would like to now to just, um, to open it up. we we've, we've been, I've been starting off from, uh, what's been written in, but I, after that session we had yesterday with those, uh, those movie clips from Contact, and we were all so revved up and ready for expansion. I would like to see if uh, there's any hands going up or anyone that has, would like to share an experience or or have, uh, has a question or a, something that's on your mind and your heart right now that you'd like to address in this very moment with everyone present. So let's take a look and see if we've got any. Any hands going up, or anybody has something they'd like to share from their heart?
3: Jerry has had his hands up for quite some time, so go ahead, Jerry. Um, last night uh can you hear me now? Can you yes, hear me okay all right, so last night, after um seeing the contact uh piece. Uh, it stirred me, as I'm sure with everyone, the, the feeling that that comes up, which it was meant to do. Uh, I've been having a problem um, with, uh, I've been feeling like a zombie, basically. I've had lethargy, and I've just been, uh, I've been walking around like you know, walking dead. Uh, and I've gone to the doctor, they removed a parathyroid a month ago and said, Oh, you're gonna feel so much better and all that. And, I, and I've had all these tests, and everything. they say, Oh, your body's fine. Nothing's wrong. All my tests are perfectly normal. And and I'm and I have no enthusiasm. I have no none of that. And uh last night as the stirring came from that, just the little bit, just that little bit of feeling, I realized that what was going on is that my wife has stage four cancer and we've been dealing with it for 10 years and her tests are, are coming out fine. You know, you have your ups and downs and I realized that with the latest one, you know, I watch her every day get up and she's in pain and she limps around and everything. I was raised to be stoic. Uh, in my family, when you saw something like that, you got scared and then you got angry. And so I learned to be the rock. And, and I, it served me very well in my life, you know, in terms of being the rock for other people. But this rock has turned into, at this point, I realize now what it's done with me in this situation is it's just cut me off from everything. And I'm just walking around with, with uh, this going on. And last night after that, I realized that everything that was going on with me was fear, just total fear. And I went down and I talked to my wife about it. And I didn't want to lay anything on her, but I needed to just tell her what was going on. And she said, well, you know, that's not love. And I said, "Yeah, I know it's not it's just fear and but I'd rather feel rather than be in my head with all the words and all of that uh I'd rather be in my heart and feel this fear and feel this sadness and feel alive than what I was when not feeling and uh." I raised my hand when the other lady earlier was on because it it reminded me of it, uh, that, uh, this, um, the course of uh, love says, you know, it talks about the wholeheartedness of the mind with the heart and, and my heart isn't open. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my heart being open and you probably can hear it now in the, uh, that, that's the place i feel like i need to go but it's from a a, a very difficult place to be because uh, as a man who's raised to be stoic and all that uh, it feels yeah out of control it feels very difficult yeah uh, but i'm i feel like that's i've got to be there because i'd rather be there than in that state of lethargy zombieism than i was and i don't have anything more to share there other than i realized that you know here i studied the course i i'm i i do the the decision making in the morning about going uh you know asking for the day i want but it's all from my mind i it's it's got to have come from my heart too. that that heart part that it mentioned in there and that's the part i've been missing because i'm so scared yeah. and i guess it's a still a lack of faith you know i'm not so scared of my own death or you know of the loss of this body uh, but uh when i'm seeing it in, the, in my beloved it's it's much harder
1: mm-hmm. oh thank you jerry yeah i feel like this is a very important point that you're making that that uh that's how things work when we we make a decision, maybe even at a young age, that we're going to be strong, and that means to be stoic, and that means not to show weakness or sh- not to show vulnerability or or show that we have uh, all these intense emotions. I mean, we know that, that the animals all have emotions, and, and human beings have emotions, and children even have a lot of emotions, even though children are told, you know, you know it's better to be uh seen and not heard and 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 to oftentimes to stuff it down like we don't want to hear that right now we don't want to hear that we don't want to hear what you're feeling and so forth so it's it's part of a a blockage it's a it's part of a a stuffing down uh, of when the emotions start to come up but i'm so glad that you shared that you how moved and touched you were with uh those contact Uh, Clips that we saw last night because they were very. Jodie Foster was very emotional, and and um, even in that movie, being an astronaut and kind of supposed to control her emotions and be very logical and rational, she just was having experiences that were way beyond anything that she was supposed to feel, and and that's part of the reason I played it, and I'm so glad that you picked up on that because. I, I just want you to give yourself full permission to feel all these feelings, to be able to cry, to realize that um, being stoic doesn't help our spiritual journey because we lose touch with our desire that Lisa was talking about, how strong that desire can be when we're in touch with it. But if we're not in touch with it, then it does seem to be like we're the walking dead. We're just uh, going through the motions and and fulfilling our requirements and doing our duties and obligations, but but not feeling uh, anything at all. Uh, it's almost like a deadness where we block out the joy and the happiness while we're trying to block out the pain and the hurt too. Almost like a painkiller, you know, how it just kind of numbs you. It blocks your receptors um, is, is how those uh, painkillers work. And it's very much... We're, we have to start to be honest and we have to let those emotions up. So thank you for, every, your, for all of us for sharing that, because I know there are those that are watching and they're in similar situations, maybe not with a, a partner who has stage four cancer for all these years, but maybe with with a child that they're taking care of, or a people that they're living with that are going through some extreme cases and they're trying to balance things out in the family and, not rock the boat and keep the ship afloat, but there's it's taking an emotional toll uh on their spiritual awakening and and you're giving them permission to start to question that. It's beautiful. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for raising your hand. Ah, oh, it's precious. Anybody else, Jeff? do you see any other hands I do um
4: Bridget. Um... I, we thought we saw you waving your hand. Did you have some, a question?
5: Not a question. Um, uh-huh. Just an ex, just an experience. Um, well, a question as well, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I've had... Um, I've suffered from extreme depression for the last few years. Well, for the last 10 years. Um, and gradually, I started to come out of certain aspects. I started to come out of it at work where... I changed my mind about how I was going to um, see things. um, And it changed my experience at work. But at home, my experience was I had to make my children happy. Um, Two of my children have since left the house. One of my sons is still living here. um, And I was adamant i didn 't even realize that it was that was still in my mind after all the years, and I used to think when i 'm feeling better, then Stephen will feel better he slunk he slipped into a a malaise, a depression, and then he went into a phase where he didn't want to know what I wanted, what I was about, and he was going to do his own thing, and he started a marketing business um, but I could tell. To me, the word Antichrist came into my mind because he wasn't coming from a place of happiness to that. He was looking for his happiness in the business, in that alternative. Um, And I didn't know what to do. Um, And I prayed and um, eventually Stephen moved out for a few months, couldn't make it on his own and he moved back in. And I didn't know I wasn't looking forward to him coming back at all. And I prayed, and I got the the um, guidance um, to leave Stephen B for now and focus on me, and focus on what I was believing. So when I come home from work each night, I'd say hello to Stephen, and then I'd maybe have something to eat with him sometimes awkwardly, or on my own sometimes not awkwardly, and then I'd go up to the bedroom, and I've been doing that for about nine months, and just not I've stopped I have no television well I have got a television but it's not I have no license to watch it any longer so there's no escape into like television screens or into computers for to watch films or anything it's like me face to face with myself and um, in the silence I've received such valuable information and I'm implementing this but it's difficult because my mind is so um, set on a certain pattern and I have to, I'm breaking the but I am breaking those patterns. Um, And one, one day I got home from work and I remember Stephen was out and I remember feeling really distraught and thinking, because of the way I've thought for the last 11 years, I've made him the way he is. And I was really, really distraught. I thought, and now I'm changing and I'm hanging him out to dry.
2: (laughs) And I felt really
6: bad. And I prayed. And I got the guidance
5: that I was seeing him wrong. I was seeing him as this weak young man and I, he, that isn't who he is and I have to learn to look past that and sort of see his strength and to see my own strength and that's that's where I'm at
1: oh, that's beautiful, that's beautiful Bridget because it's like you've been seeing him through yourself through the mother filter and him through the sun filter and and it's like the spirit is wanting to pull away, to clear all those filters, to just see, as we just read in Rules for Decision, to see it differently, to see it anew, and to see also in terms of decisions that you can't blame yourself for anything that you've said or done because you were doing the best that you could based on your belief system. And so with Steve, Stephen, and now it's you're starting to realize there is A way to see the world differently though and you're you're going for that so that's really beautiful and thank you for sharing that because i know that that you feel a little more like your faith is is coming stronger by being able to talk about this
5: so i i'm it's the experience it's it's not the words it's it's the knowing inside the feeling inside that you know you're on the right track Um, Stephen has now said he's going to go away for a while to Vietnam, and I'm worried about that. And then I come back to the mind again, thinking I have to let go of that worry, I have to leave that to spirits. And spirit is telling me as I get stronger in the spirit, and Stephen gets weaker, then I'll be able to 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 let him know how what I've done, so that's that's in a way it's sort of miraculous
1: Beautiful, thank you. We can feel your steadfastness of hanging in there with us and and working with the spirit. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you and then I just uh, was looking at our uh, list again, you know um rich. Rich Lusp is uh, uh, from out there in California, you know. Rich has, has had a lesson with the car, and and Rich wrote to me uh, right when this happened, and I thought I would share it because because I've had a lot of car lessons. You know, the spirit works with us with with what we have in this world and what we value, and then helps loosen us from these values and. Uh, I'll just read what Rich wrote and I'll share a little bit about some some of the car lessons I've had too. Rich writes A couple of days ago, my automobile was stolen while I just finished paying all the payments on a five year loan. After the initial shock, a couple seconds of denial, I knew immediately to go into forgiveness mode. We often say everything is always working out, the script is written. Forgiveness is a gift to yourself, and nothing is worth giving up my peace of mind, etc. I feel pretty good. No anger, no stress, feeling relaxed about the whole thing, peaceful. What I do not know is, am I really doing that, or am I in denial of my feelings? Am I spiritually bypassing? I really do not know if that is the case. Wondering if you all have anything to say about that, any guidance that comes up. I am open to your guidance. Thanks. Love, 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 always. And um, the important thing for me to remember is, okay, I'm perceiving a world, and then things happen in this world, and then I, I pay close attention to my feelings. Um, like you said, probably there was initial shock, like, what? like what what is this and and I certainly can relate to that because i I know that um for me, in my parable of David, having a car was no small thing in fact i I wanted to have a nice car oftentimes in my in college years, I wanted a certain kind of car uh i I could see in retrospect that the car was pretty important part of I would call it the self-concept of David. So, uh, And then you give your life over to Jesus, and you say, oh, I want to heal, I want to be used in the plan of awakening, I want to forgive, I want to wake up. And uh, I know in in university, uh, it took me quite a while, but the first car that I owned at that point on my own, I bought a Cougar XR7, a Mercury Cougar XR7 with the with the turn signal lights that went, you know, on the backlight. When I was growing up, I'm like, I'd be going to church or whatever. My parents and I go, would you look at the turn signals on that car? My God, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so when I finally got to purchase my own car, it was a Cougar XR7. And and I remember going to the to the, run the airs. I went... To a bank one time to make a deposit, and I came out, and some guy was just standing there looking at my car. And he said, That is the coolest car. And if you ever want to sell that car, man, that is the coolest car I've ever seen. And I'm thinking, Yeah, that is the coolest car I've ever seen. And and see, at this time, you know, it's all self concept, but you don't know any different. You think, Finally, got the car that I wanted. uh, So at one point, I was at the University of Cincinnati, and uh, I was taking some friends down to get some art supplies in downtown, since and I was just sitting at a, a, a red light uh, waiting because there was a car too in front of me and, and, a car came from behind me at a high speed. It looked like a bullet, and he was like looking, watching the kids in the park or something, plowed into the back of my Cougar XR7. Oh, those turn signal lights, uh, they were crushed and demolished in one instant, and the whole car, the frame was bent and. It, Well, I remember I was like, well, maybe I'll get something from the insurance. No, it was hardly any insurance money. The most I could buy was a yellow AMC Gremlin. That's what Jesus put me in after a Cougar XR7. It was like a Gremlin with these little stripes on the side. And I remember, I think a friend of mine one time just came to me and he went, that car you got there, it's ugly. It's just plain old ugly. You go dropping off, but this is how Jesus works. You drop off from a Cougar XR7, kind of a a brownish, you know, really cool color, and then you go to a yellow, a Gremlin that looks like it's got sideburns or something on these stripes, and and uh, this is the way it went. And then, of course, you know the story, Rich. You know, when I was on my tour with Jesus down in 1992, the a friend of mine, and we were using her car, and she was like, she was saying a little concerned about her car on the trip. And I said, well, you know, Jesus will just use the car. I don't think I had told her all my Jesus parables already. She probably wouldn't even let me get in the car. But we went out for a walk along the ocean, and we came back, and the car was gone. And that got used as a way to strengthen my faith that everything would be taken care of. And amazing miracles happened around that and so i think the main thing is is to come to a sense of a great allowance and permission with your feelings like after that initial shock you you have to use it for for the healing of your mind uh to let the emotions come up like uh i've had that happen a few times too where i've had no car and then I notice how do I feel? I feel constrained. I feel like it's a loss of my personal freedom. You know, I would let all those emotions come up, uh, and then I've had more miracle stories too, where I actually had a like a, a yard sale car that came in for like a hundred dollars, very miraculously. It took me to Roscoe and Canon Gloria Wapnick's place. Uh, uh, so I've had a bunch of car experiences, but I think your question is, is a little bit more like Jerry's. You're just wanting to really be in touch with those feelings, whatever they are. Uh, and how has it been going for you? I mean, it's been a little while since, since it happened, but how have been uh, those emotions for you when you really just kind of let them, let them stream up?
7: Yeah. Hi, everybody. (laughs) That's the first thing I want to say is how much I love Uh, it. Yeah, it's gone. You know, after I wrote that, that was probably the worst point of the whole situation was when I wrote that. And I wasn't feeling that bad. So not long after that, they found the car. I I didn't know if they were going to find the car, if they broke it up into pieces or what. But they didn't. They, They found the car um and i didn't even know till the insurance agent called me the police had called me but they have an unknown number and i wasn't even checking you know and uh the insurance company called me and so i went down and you know, when you go to a tow company you're thinking oh those people aren't very nice they're gonna be rough with me and no they were great They, you know i before i got there i'm You know, I went in prayer and I said, you know, I'm here only to be truly helpful. I'm here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do. Because he who sent me will direct me. I'm content wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. And I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. And you know, I really felt that. And if the towing agency, I met the nicest mm-hmm. guy that you could ever ask for. Everybody was sweet. The police, the sheriff was sweet. Everything worked out great. And now, even the insurance agent said, "Where where should we fix your car? Mm-hmm. Wherever you want. You know, it's okay with me." She goes, "No, no, no. We'll make it easy for you. We'll put it right by your house. Wow. It, it, you know." so it's it's right down the street and they're a super great facility and it's going to be worked out great. But the most important thing for me wasn't even the car. It was, how did I What, what were my emotions? Um, and everybody around me, my son and his mother and my friends were, you know, that's a violation. This is the worst thing that could ever happen. And I knew thanks to you, David and, all your guidance that, you know, that's not it. It's, it's, it's just, it's a car. And I would say that that was a good symbol, you know, that material things aren't so important. It's really our relationships with people that really bring more up. That's, that's
1: that's that's beautiful, Rich. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's a witness for all of us that could seem to be a major thing, but you just you you were carried along with such grace with yeah. all that that practice and purpose.
7: Thanks, Thanks to Thank you, David, really.
1: <laughs> well we've definitely got some car parables to share now. <laughs> as we go along. Some yeah. Jesus knows how to use us. He knows what to do with us. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. let me see. Um let's go to something here too that involves a bit, little bit of uh, the body and the body image. This is from Catherine Madison in South Africa. And she writes, Hi David, I am sending this after almost a year of wanting to, with the real desire to change my mind about what I am, to let go of this intense disliking of myself, and to accept that I am not a body, in spite of being so heavily invested in it. I want to accept the truth of who I am. I have been bulimic for 22 years. I have an intense fear that if my body gets bigger, I will be rejected. The Course makes it clear that trying to change the form is impossible, that a change of mind is needed. So I've stopped trying to stop myself, and I just go with it, most of the time asking Holy Spirit to help me to see it differently. I am seeming to be using a combination of food and the practical application of the Course as best I can to deal with loneliness, rage, and an uninspired life. I have such a deep desire for healing yet my binging and purging would say otherwise. I feel so unlovable and I long for the experience of knowing I am love. I am open to anything that you have to share and have so much gratitude for all that you are and all that you share. Much love. Uh, Thank you, Catherine, for just pouring your heart out. You know, that is the the first step is... When we pour our heart out, then suddenly it's, it doesn't seem so much like it's our individual problem because you can, we can start to feel with these online retreats that all of us are dealing with these beliefs and these thoughts of who we are and of our worth. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned that feeling of, of feeling uh, unlovable because that's, that's probably our greatest block to accepting the holy instant. You know, the holy instant for most of us, it when we were growing up, we didn't we weren't aware that there was a holy instant. <laughs> you know, that that there was this moment of innocence that would just show us the love and light that we always have been, because we've been so caught up in the mesmerism of this world, achievements. What have you done lately with me? And of course you heard me talking yesterday, I was mentioning Oprah Winfrey and uh and all of her issues around uh, about around her weight and her body image, um, you know, she was so transparent. And I just see that, that by her being transparent and just bringing these thoughts into a dialogue where she could actually start to say, here's what I'm dealing with on a daily basis, that suddenly there was lots of men and women who watched her show that... Suddenly, felt like they weren't so alone that they were dealing with the same thing. It wasn't just a personal hell; it was more of like a a, a, a driven experience around uh, worth, uh, self worth, and body. And uh, so, very much like with with uh, Jerry and Rich and the, and the ones we just talked about, you know, allowing yourself to talk about these things, allowing yourself to to bring these up into awareness is the first step in healing. Just like for Oprah, that was huge for her to do what she did on television in front of a national and really a worldwide audience. You know, she, she sent a tidal wave of healing, I think, uh, for really around the world by being a witness and a demonstration. And what's coming to mind from the Course is that that... From our ego belief system, the ego sees the body as as an end and not as a means. So we, you know, we pretty much, when we buy into that, it puts a lot of pressure on our mind in terms of the right size, the right shape, what's, what's acceptable, what's attractive, uh, because... A lot of these ego stories and fantasies are all these fantasies of love are very, very much around the body. The body is like the central figure, uh, the hero in the dream or the hero in, in, in the dream where it goes through all these serial adventures. And that's what all the romance novels are about. That's what a lot of these fairy tales that we grew up with are about. That's what these movies Many of the movies we watch are all sending the same message that the body is all important and that you have to look a certain way to be lovable and uh, that message is so deeply ingrained it 's so programmed and reprogrammed and reinforced over and over and over that it does feel like a, a prison a prison sense, or it seems like a, like you 're trapped in in a a cell of the mind, that is, put all this focus and and attention on the body. It's almost like displacing from your Christ identity, your God-given identity, and projecting all this pressure onto this uh, body. And for me, and for the ones that I've lived with and worked with, the turnaround comes is that we are seeing, no, the body's just an instrument to be used by the Spirit, as a communication device, and to start to gain, uh, to gain a confidence in allowing that to occur. Because this particular year, 2018, I remember I was down in Mexico, and uh, I was praying, and uh, suddenly I heard from Jesus. He said, uh, you've got to get the people in the community really extending they need to share my message. They need to shine this light. They need to allow themselves to be used as instruments for me. So I remember I, I called somebody. I sent out an email. I said, we're going to start some, some TV shows. We're doing TV shows. We're going to have these. And who's going who's gonna to do them? You and you and you and you. And, you. <laughs> and Jeffrey's right behind me here. Jeffrey's like the director. We got directors, producers, cameramen, and then people went out there a little bit, a little bit frightened, to say the least, to do these shows. But now they're getting really comfortable <laughs> being letting the Holy Spirit use their body as a communication device for the light, for the love and the joy. I mean, we flipped it pretty quick. I remember, I think it was late February where I was saying, we need to do this. And then at the beginning of March, Lisa had a talk with everybody, said, come on, we're really going to do this. Like, we're not just joking about this. And then there was a trepidation and some fear about doing this. And and yet before you knew it, then they're all starting to get as relaxed as Jeff. Look at Jeff. He's the most relaxed guy on the planet. He's sitting up on a mountain in Peru and having a ball up there. (laughs) It's like, and broadcasting and beaming all over the place. And people started to get relaxed more like that, like really enjoy it, like savor it, like say, "Oh my gosh, this is my calling. This is this is the use for my body that I've always felt would be would be helpful." And yet, it was it was out of our minds. None of us uh, really saw any of this coming. But I, I just telling you this, Catherine, because I I really feel like that's the key. The more we start to allow it to be used the body to be used in in this way in this transparency i can just feel the loves the love cords start going in our hearts stronger and stronger and stronger and and i have such faith in you i know uh that you're going to be able to do this because i i have the same faith in you that i had about these these friends that i live with you know i i had no doubt they they would be able to do it and and Interestingly enough, even the ones that took maybe six or seven weeks to start to loosen up, they did finally loosen up with the smile. You know, they did finally say, "Oh, I can do this." And I just I love your transparency, though, because there's a lot of people that are dealing with these kind of issues that are very intense, and yet the first step is is always in uh, in in Opening up like you did, and 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 we all share the blessings. You can share a bit. How how has this uh, retreat been for you?
7: No. Right. There we
8: go.
7: Yeah.
8: Um. Yeah, so this retreat was a, a very big commitment for me because I always had a thousand reasons why I couldn't wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> to tune in on Friday <laughs> because sleep is a, a big thing. And, and anyway, I just really felt a calling um, to join. So it's, it's really been a weekend of, of devotion. I've turned off my phone. Mm-hmm. I've really just tried to be present. And I think the thing that you touched on, David, was so um important and I get it. When you're in your function, then the need to go into obsessive behaviors is like eliminated. And that's my biggest um like calling. I, I I'm like dying to know what my function ask and I'm like like I'm not hearing it and I find work to be completely uninspiring. It's it's like it's such a massive distraction because there's so much thinking and analyzing and and management involved. I'm I'm a manager of a team of people, and I just I just I'm like I don't think this is it. <laughs> so like I'm open, but can you just speak louder? <laughs> you know so. And, and then when I'm in that joy, then I don't, I don't feel like I need mm-hmm. to binge and purge. You know, it's the furthest thing from my mind. But when I just feel so like mm-hmm. uninspired and living this like Groundhog Day, you know, then, then mm-hmm. the food becomes like excitement, which just sounds so terribly pathetic. But that's mm-hmm. really what happens, you know, like this little twinkle in my life. And I'd rather have a better twinkle, to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah.
8: So I just, yeah. just to find that function. Like, how do you find it?
1: Yeah, I feel like you're down there in South Africa, and and just your connections with us and with this community is part of the inroads. Like, like I think for all of us, we need we need first of all some examples and some demonstrations that. Beyond your nine to five and and the routines that that many of us uh, and me, most people in the world uh, have have very strong rituals around work and career, they find themselves doing jobs uh, that they think are pretty bizarre. They they will sometimes in the middle of the day they'll say, "How did I even get into this crazy grind? Uh, where where did it start? Uh, how did I get into it?" and managing people yeah that's that'll drive you uh, either insane or it will drive you inward inward to sanity in a in a hurry because the mind has only so much tolerance for um for conflict at some point um it's it's almost like okay there's got to be something else beyond this and then when you start to see witnesses of people that have felt that calling that have felt locked from guidance, but nevertheless persisted, you start talking to these people who have taken some of these, I call them unwinding steps, because for most people, they're given a more slowly evolving curriculum. I've said like Eckhart Tully on the park bench, it's very rare that it happens that dramatic and that quick. For most, it's it's an unwind, it's a little more, it's a little more. And It just helps that you're in communication now because the more we share our parables, the more we share what we've gone through together, it starts to build a momentum of people. uh, I mean, I could go through some of the people I live with. uh, um, There are different circumstances where, where they seem to start out, but they, in some ways, whether it was through, uh, career and job, whether it was through family, whether it was through addiction whatever they they felt very trapped, and then they they felt a little flicker of hope uh, light coming into that dark, trapped repetitive ritualistic experience, and then they just followed that little trickle of light until they could start to wiggle themselves loose in their mind from some of those things, so I'm really enjoying. Uh, yeah getting to see you and and communicate Mm -hmm. with you like this and also i feel like that all of us are are being benefited from this because uh uh, bridget talked about that too going to work coming home feeling depressed you know it's it's a it's a common experience and yet we're all on the the path of starting to break free from that and really come come closer to the holy instant and, and feel our innocence so Thank you, thank you for being here with us and thank you for getting up last last <laughs> night at all hours of the of the day to join in thank
8: you and thanks for everything david uh, you're just yeah been so helpful and so inspiring. So I've like I have so much gratitude for everything that you do and and everyone is living miracles so beautiful. I want to say that you yeah, are thanks.
1: Very good. Well, I I did visit South Africa and um had a blast going around the country uh to some of the major cities and, and in the rural areas and uh so you're in our hearts. We've got a a website down there and and we we think of that a lot so it, the the digital is good for us now, but we'll keep that in mind. In fact, you're just you're right on the way. I always say right on the way to the South Pole, except I never, <laughs> I never made it to the South Pole. But but it's I did make it though. I made it
7: once. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Catherine. Beautiful. beautiful.
1: Okay, Jeff, how are we looking? Is there anybody else with their hand up?
3: Yeah, we have a number of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next would be um, Michael Graves. Go ahead, Michael.
4: Okay, good morning, everybody. I was just sitting here thinking after I raised my hand, it's not a raise my hand that I'm going to talk, but I'm willing to share, button. depending on how things go, I'm sitting here doing all this mental work with that, it's really great, Um, I I just have this uh, thing that's Mm kind of happened in my life around my relationship with my wife, I retired about six and a half years ago, and when I did Mm -hmm. that, I I made a conscious decision to go deeper into my study of A Course in Miracles, because when I was working, I was, you know, doing the best Mm -hmm. I can, like hear a lot of people saying and and uh, it can be difficult and a distraction but once that space opened up and there's a miraculous story about how I left my job too I was kind of let out of that place and it was so funny to me but um, once that space was created uh, and I started my study of A Course in Miracles and and began um, my interactions with the Living Miracles communities and, and other you know um things uh there was a really a big concern that started to come up for both of my wife and i both that at some point there was going to be this leading um of me away because she could see the obvious you know devotion i'm one of those people i kind of tend to put my head down and head in certain directions not that that's a good thing but uh and so there's kind of this concern about what this was going to mean for our relationship and while she's very supportive um uh, of everything that I've done that there was this concern and we would talk about it from time to time and I would tell her you know I'm as concerned as you are about this uh, you know it's like uh, I have this fear too so it's it had been present for a long time, and uh, Sarah when she was here we addressed it a little bit and and she kind of pointed out some things that were very helpful for me um, but she also gave me some um, input saying you know I see a very you know solid foundation my wife is not a Course in Miracles student but we share a lot of um, uh, the love for the principles, you know, so it's really not so much about, you know, what, where it comes from, but we both are very, really quite aligned in that way. But what I want to talk about is how um, just recently, um, you know, I've been, you know, this concern about, you know, wanting to be, you know, with and in relationship with a Mighty Companion. And I just kind of kept uh, you know, we started integrating, you know, the no private thoughts and we started working on our communication and being more open and that was really very helpful. But what came to me recently was um is you know, Jesus very clearly told me, you know, she is your mighty companion. We would sit and talk and and, and I interact with many other mighty companions. Hey everybody, most of a lot of you guys are here today and I, I've interacted with you guys. Um, and, and, you know, it's the same thing. I get the same clarity, the same uh, beauty, the same washing away of some of the uh, blocks and, and, the, and the the coming together and the closeness that um, has resulted from some of that. And so we had that talk the other day and I said, you know, I've really realized that you are my mighty companion. and It doesn't matter that you don't study A Course in Miracles, and, but you're very committed to the principles of truth like I am. And so those differences, you know, are really non-existent. Um, that uh, they're just, you know, forms that we're both just really um, we're letting go of. And, and uh, I became an ordained minister, um, uh, you know, I don't know, a couple of years after I retired. And and she would talk about my ministry and how I work with people and, and different things, mostly in 12-step programs and things like that. But I do some other relationships, counseling with, with people that I've met and just, you know, help them. And, of course, you know, the Course in Miracles principles filter in. It's kind of hard not to do that. But, um, and it's, it's very well received, but I I would always tell her how, you know, she has a ministry too, with the way she talks about how she is at work and what she does at work and how really it it is so little about a job and earning money and so much about who she's with and, and the, 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 the holy encounters that she has on just, I mean, a moment by moment basis where she is. So it's just been this, um lifting of this concept that there has to be some structure or form to it in order for it to be holy or in order for it to be um, advancing, you know, all of us and, and the people around us. And there's so many people that are affected by our relationship and how beautiful that they see it is. We just celebrated 14 years and, and um, you know, it's my third marriage, you know, so 14 years in the third marriage, that's pretty good. And I met her in a 12-step program. So there was some foundation there to work with, but it's just been so beautiful to see Jesus use it, and and I always could see that part of it, but they, what this did is it washed away that fear that was there about, you know, there could be a leading away, and, you know, even when I went to Strawberry, there was this little uh, kind of, we were kind of joking, um, and this is before we came to the Mighty Companion talk, that we really shared that with each other that um, she goes yeah I'm sure I'll get a dear John text or something from strawberry I'm you know I've met so-and-so and we're gonna run off together maybe I'm gonna stay in Utah and you know it was fun but you know I got to do this and all this kind of stuff and but you know it was kind of half funny and kind of half not um, but you know obviously that didn't take place although there were some beautiful things that took place there and I can't you know wait for the next nice. one but uh it's just all that's been washed away. And I just wanted to because I'm sure there's other people out there. I, I think I heard Walter talking about that a little bit in his mystery school experience and, and, and how beautiful it was that, you know, there wasn't a lot of focus on that particular part of it. But boy, it sure resonated with me. And I just wanted to share. What, what I've been through with that, so I'll, I'll leave it there. And thank you to you, David, and the Living Miracles community and all of my mighty companions, oh. those of you that are watching and those of you that are not. You know, we're all connected, and oh. I feel that every day. So thank oh, you.
1: thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Wow, we feel your heart. You're, we feel it. It's so beautiful. Okay, Jeff, do we have anyone else? We do. Gene, um, go ahead. <laughs>
9: Uh, this happened last time too I thought I was off the hook in the very last minute (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, okay Um, so I'll try to be um, so I what Catherine was talking about spoke to me a lot um, in that I, I feel like I'm just kind of waiting for a purpose or function or message or guidance and I also feel guilty because my life has rearranged itself this year where I actually have time I have no money but I have time I could be meditating all day long I'm really I guess I do judge myself of it, but I I also love it that I'm not going to work every day, and I watch four or five movie watcher guide movies a day, but I'm not doing lessons, I'm not praying, I'm not uh, um, I got inspired watching the, the silence movies with Jeff, but next day, turned on the movies, and <laughs> I'm just... I'm feeling kind of zombie, zombie-like as well. But I have no excuse. I, I, I could be full-on, but I feel like I'm just waiting. And I'm, I, I keep. Hope, I don't know. Should I be like? Is there some discipline required here to say, okay, get up and do an hour of silence or something? Because I'm kind of just letting every completely happen and nothing's happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jean, that's pretty it's pretty common sometimes when we've had very busy and hectic lives that were very really full schedule and we we had different projects and things going on then we reach kind of more of like a lull where there's a a spaciousness and and I know for myself and a lot of people I talk to that's the it's almost like the temptation then when there's so much spaciousness then we're like watching our mind and and going, now should I be doing more? You know, that's almost like the, the the question that's lingering in there, and you know, a Course in Miracles is a is a pathway of relationships using relationships, unlike a lot of traditional spiritualities. But I think there there are always kind of exciting ways to. To connect I mean I I watched a lot of movies when I had a lot of spaciousness too I I would say okay Jesus take me to the movies and go rent movies or back in the day go go to the theater for the matinee and and maybe another afternoon movie and that say okay what's in it for me and but I feel like that uh, that the course is a pathway where there's a lot of preparation that goes on, but it's really the Spirit's working with your motivation. And, and I think it's helpful to think about that really it's you have to offer your willingness to have your motivation expanded or increased. It's almost like I tell people, put it on the Spirit. It's the Spirit's job to convince you. You're not <laughs> to, here to convince anybody or even to convince yourself. It's the Spirit's job to convince you. So I would say that to Jesus. I'd say, okay, convince me. And he'd say, okay, come to the movies with me and listen to these songs and all kinds of things, he'd work with me on the golf course because he knew I liked to play golf. He worked with me on the tennis court because he knew knew I liked to play tennis. He didn't really have me learning a bunch of new stuff. He just took, he knew what my ego preferences were and he was like, we can work with that. We can work with that. You know, it's almost like I'll, I'll meet you halfway I'll meet you with the things that you still like. Uh, there were times too where I would just have holy encounters with people. I meet them for lunch, and we'd have these long, deep conversations. There were other times in my life where, when Skype came along or these uh, higher tech, these new technologies, I'd say, "Well, this is fantastic. It's almost like we're in the same room," and we would have these great connections and talk about what really was meaningful. I called them heart-to-heart conversations. And I do feel like even there were years where I just was having bunches and bunches of heart-to-heart conversations where it didn't look like spiritual community or it didn't look like I was productive. People were like, you're just going out and having a bunch of lunches. Uh, That's all you're doing. And I'd say, it feels great though. I mean, (laughs) my heart is opening up. It feels great, but it didn't fit into boxes, you know. You know, are you doing yoga? Are you doing, you know, are you disciplining your mind? I was following the joy. Like Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. So I think it's helpful to to just, when you have that space, maybe take a little bit of an inventory or journal about some of the things that you are drawn to, that you find exciting, exciting. that they don't have to fit in any kind of a box, because it's the ego tendency to to be try to be self-critical or to always think we should be doing more, or um, to try to fit into some kind of a of a spiritual self-concept, um, which you know in the end is is another concept anyway. <laughs> we have to we have to let go of them all anyway. So the spirit. It just ask the Spirit to be in charge. And and I do feel like just with your journey, uh, as you want to be used by the Spirit, you start to refine things. You start to notice things, things that you're more drawn to, things that you're not so drawn to. You can start to let some of those other things just drop away. You know, it it's okay to to have the Spirit clear your plate and then oftentimes when the Spirit would kind of clear my plate and I would be astonished, like I can't believe all the space I have now, then oftentimes that's when new things would drop in because I actually had space in my life for them to drop in. And there were some amazing things that uh, that dropped in. And, and don't be hard on yourself because it's like the Spirit's got to draw your motivation higher and higher. Uh, it's not for you to try to critique that or judge that, you know, just to, uh, just to hang in there with it. And, yeah, just so great that we're able to connect in this way because it, uh, you know, it takes away some of those press, pressures and stresses of trying to, like, fit into some kind of a spiritual, spiritual box or something. You don't really have to do that.
7: Wow. Thank you. Thank you, team. Beautiful. Jeff, do we have anybody else?
3: We do. We have a couple of hands up. Um, Sabina, go ahead.
6: Okay. Uh, So good evening from uh, Europe. Hi, all my friends. I met at Strawberry and in my (laughs) um, online Your Mind group, too. Um, Okay, so many of the things which have already been said, very very interesting to me too, um especially which was things which were said by Jeanne because i I am too now very mm-hmm. free. I retired a couple of weeks ago and now i'm trying to find out how my new life will be like um, and um I found out it's perhaps a little bit too much to think about a special thing. I like to approach people. I like to go outside and just speak to people in the street and then we have a conversation and it may be in the gym or it may be somewhere in the train or public transport, anywhere. And so, um, yeah, I think this is joyful for me and perhaps I can bring joy to people in this way. I was always thinking it must be spiritual. We have to have deep conversations about God, our spirituality. And then it turned out most people are not interested and then we are just having a normal conversation. But I can perhaps still be helpful also having a nice mm-hmm. and joyful conversation about anything and still, um, and still fulfilling my function. So this is something perhaps which I'm not very sure about, which I want to ask you, but perhaps which could be helpful to other people too. And then I'm always very interested in the practical application of the course. And I would like to come back to the rules for decision because I'm not quite sure if decision means also planning. And so um, if I wake up in the morning, for example, to be very specific, and I tell myself today, today I will not make. Um, I will make no decision by myself. And then I imagine, I picture my day, what it will be like. Perhaps mostly it must be happy and funny and something like this. But there must also be some planning. And planning is also decision making. So, for example, do I go out? Um, very simple. Putting it very simply. Do I want to go to the gym or do I want to film a friend or whatever? Is this a decision based based on, a, on, a, um, on an unconscious belief or what is it? So, this is a very practical thing I would like to ask you. Then I have more practical questions. Perhaps I bring them up right now. <laughs> and just, okay. um, I'm just at the beginning. Do you want to answer this or yeah, I go on?
1: Let's work on that first one. That's a good one. How do- yeah. How does planning uh, fit into the rules for decision? Well, for most human beings, planning is, is a pretty big part of their life uh, and their life experiences. Um, if In fact, if somebody's just said, I'm just going to pull planning out of your life experiences, it would be very uh, disorienting for most people because it's such a big part. And the, the course... Uh, Jesus does address this uh, in Lesson 135, uh, where basically he says, if there are plans to be made, you will be told of them. So, so the guidance of, of the Spirit uh, works with what the mind believes in. And if the mind believes in, in time and plans, which is, is quite common, uh, the Spirit will use those plans. It will direct those plans for the unwinding of the mind. Uh, a lot of times people think of if you 're in in the present moment you wouldn 't have any plans whatsoever, but that 's really talking of like the the far 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 advanced you know that 's getting into the the mystics and the and the uh, the the gurus that have gone into these deep mystical states of predominantly meditation and they they can get into these uh, states of mind where planning disappears, but actually, for most people. It's quite practical to have the spirit uh, give you plans. For example, for myself, um, I remember about 2006, I was asked to uh, to uh, participate in a a National Course of Miracles conference in San Francisco, and I just prayed, and uh, the spirit said, "Yep, I want you to be at that conference uh, a year from now." <laughs> Uh, in San Francisco at the Holiday Inn, and uh, so I went and I did it. And then they started to do a conference like every two years. So as soon as I finished the conference, uh, a few weeks or months go by, I get an email: "Will you commit to the it was two years in advance?" And this went on. I was at two two thousand and seven, two thousand nine, two thousand eleven. There was a few years where we actually did it every year, but most years it was a it was a two year plan. But the Spirit just had me sharing at these big national Course in Miracles conferences. It was almost like a family reunion, meeting people that I'd been seen from the road and corresponded with, and we would just come together and rejoice, almost like a a family reunion that was based on a Course in Miracles. So yeah, I think that's an answer to your first question is that as you tune in more and more to guidance, you can you can definitely have a plan, whether it's during the day or even a year or two years in advance, if it comes in very strong, um, that's that's part of your uh, function, that's part of uh, spirit giving you uh something that will be a blessing for the whole universe. And and that, that that occurs, that will continue to occur until you start to get into like the samadhi state of minds <laughs> where you don't even know what a plan is, you know, when you get into those. But but until then, yeah, be ready for those, those plans to come in from the Spirit. Yeah.
6: Okay. Um, there is another practical question, but I think we are running out of time. So I have another one which goes very deep, which is my love to... My my Loving of God, this goes really, very deep because yesterday um, I was sent this, this wonderful book, Absence from Felicity.
1: Yes, I know. Um,
6: I ordered it a couple of months ago and I forgot about it. And then I started reading it. And um, while I was reading the first pages or the first chapters, I was so impressed and struck by... Mm-hmm. Helen's tribulations and her, how she was fighting and struggling to, to have a relationship to God. Uh, Then she doubted and had faith and trust, and then it came to my awareness. What do I think about God? And I, I, I didn't think that I really, really love him. And I don't have a sense of what is it to love God. What, What is it? What does it feel like? I would so much like, love God. But I was told when I was a child, love God. I was brought up like many people in Christianity, and my mother had a very deep faith. And you have to think, you have to love God, and then everything... Uh, all your problems are being solved. I, I have never a clue what what she was talking about. But now I would like to know. But to be honest, I don't know yet. So, mm. I, is there anything I could do? I mean, reading this book is great. It's really a great book. I could recommend to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> great, Thank you. I think this it
1: is, is it's beautiful. It is a great book. And I would. The one thing that's coming to mind is is that. God has no definitions, and so where people have difficulty and the struggle and the challenge comes in is it's the same with love. You know, it's, it's, it's an experience that Jesus even says, uh, this course does not attempt to teach the, aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is far beyond what can be taught. And you could say the same with God. This course doesn't aim at teaching the meaning of God, for that is far beyond what could be taught. But it does aim at removing the obstacles. So what you're doing through your daily practices of those exciting conversations with people in your city, from your reading absence from Felicity, and and how you're you're just beginning to use this retirement. You're giving a retirement over to the Spirit and saying, I don't know what this is. I have no clue. You show me. That's all good, good, good. And then when you think of God just... Just try to release all definitions, because it's a a state of being, it's a state of mind that is not defined in the least bit. There is absolutely no way of defining God or love. And yet we all know that we have these experiences that burst forth through us, and that they're so amazing that they get our attention, and just allow that to happen. Allow yourself to be taken more and more towards those. Because really, that's this whole uh, this whole weekend about the holy instant, the breath of eternity. We're we're so much aiming for an expansive experience, and and as we're getting down to our final few minutes, uh, spirits reminding me again that uh, both Jason and Francis have been have worked on and, and prepared these set of clips that I mentioned yesterday, that are just mind-expanding clips. Uh, we have had a, a beautiful morning of, here of chatting and talking and sharing of the hearts, but now get ready for some music. Uh, get ready for some, to have your mind blown with some clips. Uh, you know, that's the joy of just stepping into an experience. And that, I really hear that's what you're calling for. You know, you're just, it's all new for you. You have some spaciousness now with retirement and, and, uh, Savor that book too. That's going to be a, a really a, a spectacular experience as well. And for all of you, it's it's down. We're down to our last couple of minutes here. I just want to invite you uh, to rest, go to the restroom, uh, the bathroom, maybe have something to eat. Just give yourself a little spaciousness here uh, for our next segment because um, I know it's going to be a spectacular. Uh, segment and this is the first time ever where I've done a a retreat where I'm I'm going to leave in a few minutes and hop on an airplane and and I may end up rejoining you from another country. Uh my my online retreat is being split up <laughs> into different countries and a different time zone and so it's new for me. I've never done it. Uh I've got I've got to throw on a jacket and and get whisked away Kirsten's driving Slava and I uh, to the airport. But stay tuned. Uh, you're, you don't want to miss this next segment, because <laughs> I've seen some of these clips, and I, I can tell you it's going to be quite a, a treat. So, Jeff, I think um, we're down to the final minute. We'll, we'll go back to you, and uh, you can, can take us home here. And uh, I love you all, and uh, I hope to see you real soon, maybe from a different country, but I
7: am with you.